welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. With me, as always, Stephen White. How are you today, Stephen? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I am here getting ready for a potential ice storm, so that's always fun. But at least I'll have plenty of food. And hey, there might be some good football games on TV this weekend. So yeah, it just might be. Uh, I don't really think anybody can complain this week after Ooh. you know people were kind of grumpy a little bit about the games last week, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think that'll be the, the case this weekend. No, those were not the most compelling playoff games that I've ever seen, I'll have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think the Texans-Raiders game turned out to be the closest of the bunch, at least in terms of the final score. <laughs> right, and and that one was not even close at all, so... Were you surprised uh, by any of the games this week or anything from the games this week? Or last week, rather? I thought the Steelers looked a little bit better than I thought they would. Um, but, you know, they, they all obviously also avoided uh, a couple of sticky situations. You know, if, if the, the Dolphins go ahead and score there right before halftime instead of turning the ball over, and then they get the ball back after halftime, you know, uh, it seemed like they had momentum on their side. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, after uh, Moore took that hit and got knocked out of the game, just seemed weird for a while. Like, the Steelers seemed kind of out of it, and it seemed like the Dolphins were, were about to pounce on them, but then they just kept turning the football over. So, yeah. I wasn't I, – I picked the Steelers, and I figured they would win, but I, I didn't think it would be, like, <laughs> that much of a, a blowout ultimately. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers are sort of, I mean, like, you know, for a team that, I guess that was that eight straight games they've won now. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, they're, they're rolling. I mean, I know that, um, what's his name, the quarterback, Bradshaw seems to think that head coach is a cheerleader, but he's doing something right. They definitely seem to be getting stronger as, as uh, the weeks go by. I know. It's like it's the least talked about eight-game winning streak ever. I mean, we can't – like we hear about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers running the table every week, but it's uh, it's the least talked about eight-game winning streak in the NFL in a long time. I guess it's, it's sort of like you say, though, like with the Steelers, there's always sort of like these weird moments where, you know, like – you go back to some of their road losses early in the season. They were kind of like, cause they were four and five at one point too. And then just, you go back to some of that. The Steelers always have those weird moments. It seems like where they're like kind of out of the game. Like you, you know, you mentioned against the dolphins where the dolphins keep turning it over and, and it changes the, the course there. But I don't know. Did you feel comfortable picking them or picking Kansas city over them? I did, and and the reason why is because um, I feel like Kansas City's offense has gotten better. I know not many people pay attention unless you're a Chiefs fan, and you know it's kind of easy to just throw Alex Smith's name out there. <laughs> oh, this is why they won't win is Alex Smith, but he's he's actually improved uh, throwing the ball down the field, which is the one thing I thought he needed to do in order for them to be contenders. And then they have the kid. Um, Tyreek Hill, yeah. and of course, we always have to preface everything with him about, you know, uh, as far as the incident with him choking and, and, and hitting his pregnant girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, on the field, he is 
a weapon. He's he's turned into maybe the most dangerous uh, guy left playing. Yeah, you know, in the whole league. So um, now that they have ability to score points, their defense, which was already top notch, gets that much better. And then yeah. you, these guys are getting healthier. Uh, Justin Houston missed a week. He should be back at, at pretty much full strength. Uh, D Ford hit, was was bumped up a little bit at the end of the season. The bye week probably helped him too. And then you got guys already playing, you know, out of their their mind like uh, Peterson and, and, and uh, uh, the safety uh, Eric Berry. Eric Berry. And, and I think maybe the X factor in this matchup uh, overall is Chris Jones uh, up front. Mm. For the Chiefs, um, I think that you know one one of the things is usually going into these games, you have to wonder can teams keep up with the Steelers on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. But I think they might have a little bit harder time trying to score this particular week because um, they have such a great pass rush and they have pass rushes outside and inside. And, and the, the one thing about Big Ben that you always have to worry about was his you know ability to extend the play. Yeah. Now he's got a foot injury, uh, which may or may not kind of hold him back anyway. But, you know, the, the one thing that helps on Big Ben is having good interior pass rush. Mm-hmm. Right. Your, 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 your edge rushers are a little bit handcuffed because if you go up the field, that's what he wants. You know, he's going to step up in the pocket and kind of move around and stuff like that. He's not really a guy that's trying to beat you around the edge. He's trying to step up and beat you that way. Yeah. Um, but if you have a good interior pass rush, now, you know, you got D Ford and Justin Houston coming off the edge and forcing him up to a Chris Jones. So, again, I, I think Chris Jones could be uh, an X factor here. Uh, as long as the Chiefs uh, can 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 win on first down, they don't let Le'Veon Bell get going running the football, then if they can get uh, the Steelers in third and long situations, I just think that pass rush combined with you know, like I said, um, guys like Barry and Peterson playing well uh, means that the Steelers won't be scoring as many points as we're used to them saying. Definitely not, you know, just <laughs> giving it up the way uh, <laughs> the Dolphins did last week early on to Antonio Brown. I don't think we'll see an uh, 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 encore performance of that. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's interesting. I mean, those those Chiefs guys, that Chiefs defense is a really interesting group to watch. I think – like you said, any one of those guys are really capable. We've seen this time and time again this season, you know, where they can kind of take over. One of those guys can really take over a game on his own almost, you know. I know we've talked about that with Houston a couple times over the course of the year. Yep. Absolutely. A big factor. Um, let's see. Uh, we We predicted it last week, and sure enough, the boat trip. That's all everybody could talk about Sunday was and Sunday and Monday, the 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 damn boat trip. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's you knew it was going to happen. Like I said, once they started putting those pictures on social media, yeah, they invited that, and that's why you don't do that. Yeah. I, mean, I wish these kids understood um, that that you don't have to do everything for the instru- for the gram or. You don't have to do everything for social social media. Just do some stuff. Just kick it with your boys, and nobody has to know about it until after the fact. Yeah. Because, uh, I, cause I, like I said last week, that didn't have a damn thing to do with their performance. It was early on in the week. 
Yeah. I can promise you there was other guys on the team that went out on Thursday, Friday. Shit, every once in a while you have guys sneak out before curfew and go out on Saturday. <laughs> yes, that has happened before. So, I mean, I, I look, you, you just won't convince me that a trip Monday or Tuesday has some kind of lasting effect on these guys for a game on Sunday. You, you just won't. But it invites these reactions, these dumbass people who make money with hot takes. It, this this was just like set up perfect for them, and then you go out there and you don't play well. It was like you know, have at it. Yeah, I was. I mean, I couldn't even believe how much they talked about it on the broadcast itself. But you know, it, it was set up to be talked about. That, yeah. Look, oh, that yeah. was gonna. Be, I told you that they had you know the front pages and back pages <laughs> already picked out in the New York media. They already knew what they was gonna go with. If those guys didn't perform. Yeah. I mean, you give them that opportunity when you do these kind of things and put the pictures up and you're looking like an R&B group, <laughs> you know, going on tour, you know, <laughs> you know, reunion tour or something. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I really wish, you know, this is one time when I thought Troy Aikman kind of failed ex uh, players because usually, usually the play-by-play guy is kind of the, straight guy and then the 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 the, the, guy, the ex-football player kind of gives you the, the 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 perspective from a guy that's been in the locker room yeah and look Troy Aikman was winning Super Bowls oh, with guys shit. during during the White House you know era in Dallas if you don't know what the White House area is <laughs> go ahead and google that google White House and Dallas Cowboys okay and then you know if you're one of these people's you know out here uh, clutching your pearls about uh, 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 OBJ going to Miami on Monday. Be prepared to have your jaw drop. Okay, that's, that's all I'm saying. But then he's act, he's actually on the broadcast, kind of even you know, um, even considering that. Like I th- I thought that he would have at least been yeah. like, okay, this is silly. <clears throat> yeah, people to talk about it, but it's stupid. This has nothing to do with the game. But it's almost like. You know, he, he just refused to do that. He, he refused to shoot it down. He, he almost, you know, made it seem like it was a legit criticism. And so I, I was a little bit disappointed in him <laughs> from that perspective. But, you know, like I said, once you put those pictures up on social media, you invite people who get paid to have hot takes, you know, to, to make a lot of money off of you. <laughs> <laughs> to get a lot of clicks from you, you know, to, to, to get a lot of attention on your back. That, that that's just how it goes these days. <laughs> I just that whole man, that whole cowboy. Can you, I just I, the the idea of social media being around in the White House era of the Cowboys. <laughs> My goodness! Oh I shit, mean, woo, man! <laughs> we could be having a 30, another thirty for thirty on them already. <laughs> Bro, what if I told you <laughs> that was the serious contact conduct? In a house that these guys rented together. Oh man, that, that and then Michael Irvin in court in the mink coat. <laughs> I mean, I know oh that was in the off season, but <laughs> listen, you can, look. Troy know better. That's all I'm gonna say. Troy know better. <laughs> well, and it's, and especially for Troy too. It's not just even the White House shit, but for someone that's had that hot take media take aim at him before too. You know. Right, the the main protagonist, he had to know that Skip Bayless yeah. was bullshit and run with it. 
And why would you even feed that troll? Like you, you literally want to, you probably want to slap the shit out of uh, Skip Bayless at this point if he could get away with it. Yeah. You know, Skip, Skip said the man was gay and some old shit. Well, like and, continues now, to say that or suggest right, and, it. But you, you're, you know, basically playing to that same bullshit. I, like I said, I was disappointed, but you know, it, it's, it was going to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> It'd have been the biggest elephant in the room if they didn't come up during the broadcast. Oh yeah, I was yeah. Just hoping it went a different way. Yeah, for sure. Well, the the content makers at least couldn't be glad it came up. And then the Odell thing after the game too, where he—I mean, I feel bad for Odell because people just like every little thing he does, people just key in on it now, which is sort of the downside of being a superstar like that. And and you know, I think it's a fair question. You know, is that that's tough for him, and, and and obviously maybe he's not mature enough for some of the stuff that comes with that yet. But you know, just like I understand the guy's mad at the the game. He punched a wall. He punched a hole in the wall. I mean, I don't know how far the and I'm I'm assuming the NFL investigation is probably not going to get <laughs> too far on that one because really, like, yeah, I mean, anyone that's ever gotten mad and punched something, a wall, a locker, some shit like that, you know. I mean, what they're going to do, charge them with assault on the wall? I mean, I'm trying to understand the purpose of investigating a hole in the wall. Make him pay $100 to fix the drywall. I mean, shit, what I really and truly, I don't don't understand it. Like, if if the police was, were conducting a a actual criminal investigation, because it was, you know, somehow destruction of property or whatever, and, you know, maybe the, the stadium wanted to be reimbursed, Okay, I get that. I, I just don't get an a investigation by the NFL. I mean, what are you going to investigate? Whether you have tantrums <laughs> or yeah. got, got, uh, anger issues or whatever, I think that's pretty apparent. Um, at the same time, you're a fucking receiver, man. You, you literally make a living with your hands. Yeah. Maybe that's not the smartest fucking thing to ever do as a wide receiver is try to punch a wall. <laughs> but thankfully, it was drywall. But if that had been brick, that shit would have went a whole different way. Especially as cold as it was. So, I pro- look, that is probably not the smartest thing to do. That's oh, man. I I, a three-drop game, too. That was kind of a new – I mean, I know you know every receiver has drops, but three drops at a game, that's especially tough. Because, I mean, the Giants were rolling right out of the gate. I mean, I re- remember watching the first part of that game thinking, holy shit, we could be in for a little bit of an upset here, but – but yeah, they, they wouldn't score touchdowns. That, yeah. that was what was you know, screwed up. And, and Mr. around let uh, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> turn it to he's on fire from NBA Jam. <laughs> <laughs> it was over after that. I was like, shit, it's over. You know? That Hail Mary, man. When he hit that Hail Mary, it's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, he just started dropping dimes. He looked. As bad as he looked at any point during this season, early on in the first quarter or whatever. But when yeah. he got hot, man, he turned into a blowtorch. Yeah. And it was too late. And the thing about the drops is this. Look, like you said, everybody has drops. But at the same time, when you judge a guy who's supposed to be the best wide receiver in the game or yeah. the top three or whatever, well, you know, your standards are supposed to go up too. And you expect those guys, if you really did the top of the heat to perform well in the playoffs, yeah, like you know, we always have kind of this this conversation about 
guys who only do well in uh, in, in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they kind of disappear. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I noticed is that um, during the game, uh, for whatever reason, yeah, there were people who were focused on bullshit like the boat, but then you had other people swinging too far the other way, and, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're now defensive, and all of a sudden all of these drops aren't actually drops. And, no, you can't do that either, right? <laughs> like, like I'm pissed off about the boat talk, but those are drops, right? Yeah. And those are potentially game-changing drops. I don't give a shit if it's Julio Jones or if it's Dez Bryant or if it's Odell Beckham Jr. You're supposed to make those catches, especially in the playoffs. That's what they pay you all that money for. Yeah. For, to make those plays. Shit, anybody can catch a slant. But those plays that you left on the field are the ones that they pay the big bucks for, that yeah. they expect of their number one wide receiver. You would expect, you know, Jerry Rice to catch that. You would expect Randy Moss to catch those. So we expect you to catch those too. Yeah. And so people can't lower their standards now just because people are being unfair to, to Odell Beckham Jr., what have you. You still have to measure him up. If he's supposed to be the greatest in the game, that's what everybody tells us, mm-hmm. well, then you have to measure him against greatness. You can't measure him against, oh, well, the ball wasn't 100% perfect. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That is not doing him any favor. No. And the throws were good. I mean, Eli, it's like, you know, going back to the podcast last week, you said it. Like, it depends. The Giants kind of depend on which Eli shows up. And right out of the gate, man, good Eli showed up. Yep. You got to take advantage of when he yeah. shows up. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing about sure. it. You just never know which one you're going to get. But when he, when you get the good one, you better make those catches. So, I mean, because shit, if he catches, um, you know, everybody talks about the drop touchdown in the end zone. But, you know, the the, the drop, the, 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 the corner route that he dropped, there's no telling how far he's going to run if he actually is able to catch that football. Yeah. Because, you know, he's got basically one guy to beat back there. Yeah. So, I mean, these are game-changing plays, man. <laughs> you got to make those. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sets up, I mean, you know, the it sets up the Packers-Cowboys game, which looks like it could be a, it could be a good one to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that I noticed uh, was uh, the Cowboys tend to score on their f- opening drive of the game. Mm-hmm. So they put pressure on the other team to score right away. And so when you're going against a team like the Packers, you really need to jump out on them before they can jump out on you in the first place. Because if you can jump out on them, then now you can go to even more of a ball control offense and really bleed that clock at the same time instead of having to throw all the time and, you know, leaving so much time on the clock. So I think uh, what what, what will kind of – um, set the tone for this game is whether the Cowboys can score early on. Yeah. Because the last thing I think they want, or anybody really facing the Packers wants right now with the way that Aaron Rodgers is playing is to get down a couple of touchdowns early. And now you're playing catch up for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think if they can, if they can keep it close at least, then they can keep that balance that's so important um, to the success of the Cowboys uh, offense with those two rookies starting. Yeah. Um, but if it gets out of whack and Dak has got to, you know, stand back there and throw 50 times, I'm just not sure they can win that game, even if they are playing at home. So, I mean, 
Well, let's just stay with the Cowboys for a second. Then how do they how do they come out and start? I mean, what do you, how do you attack the Packers? You know, right off the bat, if you're the Cowboys, you got to run it down their throat. You got to let them know that you're going to run and run and run the whole day long. Because to me, I think uh, uh, the Packers are much better equipped uh, to 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 shut down the pass than they are to run. Mm-hmm. And then I think you're going to wear them down too. You know, you got guys like Pepper starting in there and he'll have to take on some double teams. And yeah, man, he's a physical specimen, but he's still like his 16th year in the league or yeah. something like that. So, you know, you <laughs> want to wear them down. You want to wear down a Clay Matthews. You don't want to give him a whole bunch of opportunities to make game changing plays. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Cowboys are built perfectly for this. They, they got their uh, bell cow running back now. With, with uh, Zeke, they, they yeah. got the quarterback that can also get some yards in the running game as well. So to me, I think what you'll see is them come out and really pound the football early on until the Packers show that they can stop it, and I'm not sure that they can. Yeah. Well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting because now I, I don't know. Like we still don't know if Jordy's going to play or not. But it sounds like if he does play, I don't know how effective he'll, he will be because it sounds like he's got pretty serious, you know rib injury to deal with yeah i, I kind of hope he doesn't play because uh that, you know uh, he got like cracked ribs or something man i, ooh, I don't know you know and yeah. why is he so many of those big hits and stuff and, and mm-mm. I, I think maybe he needs to sit this one out and, and look you know those, those other guys have been stepping up yeah uh, anyway cobb had what three touchdown catches or something like that yeah uh, the adams was was you know was every bit the the big play threat you expect from Jordy Nelson. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, you want him obviously to play, but I just don't think that he will help much anyway. And it's too much of a risk. Yeah. No, it'll be, I just, I wonder if he's not out there how much, I mean, the, the Packers offense didn't seem to have a problem when he left the game against the Giants last week. But I always wonder when he's not out there, you know, you go back what last season when he was gone, when he was out for the year and how that, the offensive struggles kind of snowballed with him. But then, too, like you said, we haven't talked about Randall Cobb much this season, but lo and behold, he goes and has a huge game last week against, you know, a pretty good defense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, headed into that game, the Giants were playing as well on defense as anybody. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I really think they kind of they gave uh, Aaron Rodgers a little too much credit. Mm-hmm. And what they they did with when I was with the Jets for that one year, mm-hmm. we had what was called this bull cage uh, technique where everybody bull rushes on the pass rush, and we're just trying to kind of contain the quarterback. Um, but eventually, I just thought it was bullshit because <laughs> you know you're still giving the guy a bunch of time, and most of us weren't built to be bull rushers. We you know. Um, we had like John Abraham and, and he's more of a speed guy. I was more of a finesse guy too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're basically giving ourselves up to be blocked and giving this guy all the time in the world. Yeah. Maybe he's not running around, but he's patting the football against our secondary. So of course somebody's going to get open. Yeah. So to me, I really felt like they should have had a, a, a better game plan than that as far as pass rush. Cause you know, so many times I'm seeing Oliver Vernon run down the middle of um, Bakhtiari, and Bakhtiari are, is already one of the better um, tackles in the game. But, you know, 
now you just bull rushing. You, you, <laughs> it's almost just like you know putting handcuffs on yourself. Mm-hmm. So he made his job so much easier. And of course, you know Aaron Rodgers took every opportunity to 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 um, allow his guys to get open and and, and just you know, torch them. Yeah. yeah, it worked. It worked at first, but you know, at once it stopped working. I, I think they should have unleashed their pass rushes a little bit more. And I think you're going to see uh, the Cowboys get after them a little bit more uh, uh, as far as pass rush. Mm-hmm. You know, um, David Irving has really come on strong at the end mm-hmm. of the season, but also they're getting a couple guys back. I think um, they were hurt. Uh, okay. Defensive end, I can't remember his name, number 90, Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I think who's been kind of in and out of the lineup, I think he'll be back um, for this game. And so I, I think you're going to see them really get after Aaron Rodgers and, you know, just kind of roll with it. When You know, he's going to get out of the pocket on occasion. You just have to kind of roll with it. Yeah. But I, I don't think you'll see the same kind of, you know, bull rush in every play that you saw from the Giants. <laughs> I was just gonna say that set up. I remember some of those, like like whether he Rogers would have seven seconds, eight seconds, seven seconds to make his throws like that. It's just like, good God, he could write a book in the time he's back there in in the pocket to make those throws. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have an inaccurate quarterback or a guy who just can't play, yeah, cool. You give him all the time in the world, you still can't get a fat bear in the ass with a two by four. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers back there, he's going to slice you up like cheese. So <laughs> I just, you know, I can see mixing it in a little bit, but I thought they just did a little bit too much. Yeah. So a little bit too much respect last week. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm looking forward to that game. That's the, that's the second one on Sunday. That's the 430, 440, whatever on Sunday. So that'll be a, that ought to be a good one. Um, let's go, let's go to New England for a second. I want to talk first before I get too much into the game. I want to go back and ask you about the Clowney piece you wrote. What, tell us a little bit about what you've seen from Clowney this season that stands out to you so much. Hello? Yeah. Um, I was actually trying to tweet it out at the same time. <laughs> um, what the, the thing about Clowney is um, he started showing a little bit better um, play last year, early mm-hmm. on. So he showed that, you know, he was still coming off the microfracture surgery on his knee, so he wasn't quite as explosive as he used to. But he would flash and show you these plays that only a few players could make every now and then. But then he he still had these nagging injuries. He would be in and out of the lineup. He ended up missing the playoff game uh, last season, as, as you might recall. Um, so, you know, basically it gave you hints that this guy got has got tons of ability. It's all now just about, um, about whether or not he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this season, he comes into this season, and all of a sudden J.J. Uh, Watt is hurt. And so he's going to have to bear much more of the burden than was expected anyway. Mm-hmm. Then they move him to like defensive end, which, you know, he's not a fourth. They're running like a three, four hybrid uh, in Houston. So he's more of like a five technique than rather than a four, three defensive end. 
So, you know, being as that, <laughs> my biggest concern about whether or not he could, could realize the potential was whether or not he could stay healthy. Find out he's going to play five technique and, you know, sometimes be stuck inside and taking on double teams with guards and tackles coming down on him. I, I, you know, made me very nervous. I, I wasn't quite sure that he was actually going to be able to hold up uh, with the pounding I thought he would take at that position rather than, you know, where he'd been the first two years, and that's like a stand-up outside linebacker position. Yeah. Um, but, but but you know, he ended up playing his ass off. Like, he, he I thought he would struggle a lot more than he, he ended up doing. You know, there's still some plays that I'm sure he doesn't want anybody to, to, to you know, bring up or have on the highlight reel. But there's other times when he was just, you know, attacking and mauling guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but right around the end of the season, uh, right around, I, th- I think it was week 11, against the Raiders in the first game that was in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, John Simon, who had been starting opposite Whitney Merciless at outside linebacker, which is where normally you, you would expect uh, Clowney to play before this year, he got hurt. He had a, a serious, a fairly serious chest injury, and it ended up keeping him out for all but you know one game the mm-hmm. rest of the way. So the Texans were smart enough to say, okay, um, well, we need to move somebody in Jason's and uh, uh, John Simon's role, and Clowney has been there before, he knows what to do. And we have these other young defensive tackles and defensive ends who are probably built better to kind of hold up inside anyway. And so we're going to move Clowney back out here to outside. And he just, that's really when he started flourishing. Like he was already playing well. And I think he probably already would have made the pro bowl, but from about week 12 on, he missed, he missed the green Bay game, which I think was in like week 13 or something like that. But like at the end of the season, man, this dude was on a whole nother level. And all of a sudden, you were seeing him on, you know, the highlight shows and stuff. He he gets the sack at the end uh, of the Colts win to kind of seal the deal. The, the Colts were driving down and think they need to score to either tie or win the game at the end. He comes around there, beats uh, a tight end, and, and 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 gets the sack. You know, which one thing had kind of been missing was his, you know, the game saving play. Um, that that's one thing that uh, Khalil Mack has kind of uh, uh, specialized in this year, getting those fourth quarter sacks that really kind of end the game. Yeah. And so um, once they move him back to outside, I think he had gotten so used to having to be more physical inside that he was able to carry over that physicality while also now being able to use a lot more of his finesse moves and a lot more of his quickness rather than just raw power. And he has become just a, 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 you know, a guy who it's almost impossible to block when he's really coming. Like, when you know, I don't care that it was uh, Melenic Watson in uh, for, for uh, Penn this week. I, I'm not sure it matters who you line up against Clowney right now. Yeah. Because, for one thing, they're moving him around, around a lot. So, you know, it, it's not just going to be one guy blocking him anyway. But, you know, I don't know that there's very many left tackles or, for that matter, right tackles in the league right now, and especially in the playoffs right now, who can block the kid one-on-one. 
Yeah. Like, you know, his, his technique still needs a little bit of work. Like, you know, some little things he still needs to sharpen up a bit. But he's got power. He's got finesse. He's cat quick. And he's still like 6'5 and 270 pounds or something. Yeah. And he's as strong as an ox now. This is, I mean, it's just <clears throat> really unfair. I mean, if, if I could just label him as anything, <laughs> he's unfair. Because you can just do I mean, he runs step for step with, a, a, um, I think it was Amari Cooper on, on the end of round last week. And it's just like, holy crap. I mean, really? He's 6'5 and 270 yeah. running fucking step for step. With Amari Cooper? <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. And I think, you know, again, he still missed two games this year, but it was by far, you know, his most healthy year he's had. And, and, and you know, it's even with him only playing outside linebacker like the last few weeks. Yeah. So, you know, coming into next year, if he can stay healthy for however long they, they remain in the playoffs, which will probably just be one more week. If he can stay healthy this week <laughs> and then stay healthy in the offseason, man, the sky is really bright for this kid because it's not going to get any easier to block him. I can tell you that much. No, and this might be a case where you know he's not a guy that plays ever plays sixteen games a season. I mean, and that's fine. You know, you, you, you let him don't push him through those injuries, so you have him you know in December and January when it matters the most. And that's, that's all that matters because I promise you, you know, having him in there mm-hmm. this past weekend made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, not playing, I'm not so sure that the Texans actually end up winning that game. So they made the right call to sit on the week before in week 17. Yeah, he, he looked amazing uh, against the Raiders uh, last Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> now to 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 move it to the to play it forward to the game, I don't see the Patriots throwing quite as many screen passes against them as the Raiders were insistent about doing this week. Yeah, that probably would not be advisable. <laughs> uh, is I'm there? Is, say, it's probably not the way to go about it. You know? Is there any? I mean, do the Texans have any chance? Well, look. I mean, everybody's, everybody's got, got a chance. chance, right? Everybody's got a chance, and I, I do think you know ultimately it won't be on their defense winning if they lose. But you know, you got um, Brock Osweiler at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, look, he shook a guy out of his shoes last week. So he's trending up right now. I give him that. Yeah. <laughs> but I watched him play too much this year, and he he's just, one, he still doesn't seem to get the concept of getting the ball to, to um, Hopkins early and often. Like when he did give it to him, that's when the offense was really rolling. Yeah. Right? But then he would go right back to ignoring him for, for some odd reason. And I don't know if, if that's completely on Osweiler or maybe that's bad play calling by Bill O'Brien too. But, yeah, he still seems like no matter who's at fault, they still aren't getting the ball to Hopkins enough for my liking. Yeah. And then, you know, Osweiler likes to throw into coverage a lot. So <laughs> that's a bad combination against a team that, that can score a lot. And, look, <clears throat> the thing about the Patriots is, you know, kind of low-key um, – they lost Gronk, right? Yeah. And so they, they won't be able to do the two, the type of two tight end stuff that we have been looking for all year with, with Gronk and, and Bennett. But um, they pick up the kid from Arizona, uh, Michael Floyd. Floyd, who, you know, got cut because he's, you know, just shit-faced drunk 
and fell asleep in his car. Yeah. Um, and you know, not a not a good deal at all. But with a big wide receiver like Floyd and the way it looks like he's been energized since coming to New England, you can actually, in theory, do a lot of the things with him that you would have done with Grunk. Not the inline tight end stuff, of course, right. but the, you know, you get him and, and bend it on the same side and then the defense got to pick their poison. Yeah. And Michael Floyd is a pretty good blocker. So you can get him in the slot and help, help block. And you can keep him and bend it in at the same time and do pretty much everything in your uh, 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 playbook that you normally would have with Gronk and Bennett, except for, again, the inline two tight end stuff. Yeah. So I think, you know, I was, I, I questioned how valuable Michael Floyd could be when they first picked him up. But at least in theory, at least in theory, he could give you that element that would normally be missing with Gronk out. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how they use him this week. And I, I, I suspect we're going to see that this weekend, like him kind of in Gronk's role when Gronk would normally be like in the slot, in the slot or out wide. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, they have, it, it's such a multifaceted offense. I mean, you know, like in, in Chris Hogan, you know, I haven't talked a lot about him over the course of the season, but he's had a pretty good low key year for the Patriots too. I mean, it's, it's a multifaceted offense that they have always. I mean, it always seems to be. But it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I, I guess the Patri- the Patriots matchup. It'll be more interesting to see when they. I mean, next week, all things considered, are probably going to have to play either um, Kansas City or Pittsburgh. But we will see. The other game, okay, the last game on the docket, or last, it's not the last game of the weekend, but the last game um, that we haven't talked about yet is another one that I'm looking forward to is the Seahawks at Falcons. The, um, let's see, I still have Seahawks fans in my mentions pissed off that we mentioned that maybe that, not that the calls made a difference, but that maybe the, that they got a, they got a, they dodged a bullet on a couple calls in that game. <laughs> I've never seen people, um, and I love you Seahawks fans. Don't don't jump in my mentions any more than you already are. But I I uh, never seen people who won a football game still so upset about that. It's even it, like I look at this on paper. It still seems it seems like it's just too big of a hill for Seattle to climb. To go in to go into Atlanta, they're on the road, and beat the Falcons without Earl Thomas and with that, you know, not great pass blocking offensive line that they have. <laughs> that's that's the nicest way to put it. I <laughs> well, I didn't want to just say total trash offensive line because I mean they did a good job run blocking last week and then you know that they always do a little better when they're running the ball as effectively as they are then that sets up those russell wilson highlight plays but man if it's just russell wilson passing 65 percent of the game whoo not that and it's not the hot take about russell wilson at all i think he's a great quarterback it's just that offensive line you know not great when it comes to pass blocking yep and you know uh you got the sack leader in the whole NFL in Vic Beasley, 
who's coming off a bye, um, you know, he's going to be at home. Uh, that's, you know, probably not going to work out well for the right tackle. We already stick out there. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, that's the thing about it, man. You know, the Seahawks, um, I think, are, are, are you know, one of those teams that, that can look good from week to week with that offensive line. It's all a matter of, you know, uh, whether Russell Wilson can can kind of overcome them. Yeah. And a lot of the time he does. But they're going against a team that's going to be well-rested. They're going against a team that's, you know, I don't think he's scared of them at all. He's playing at home. Yeah. He's got that kid, Keanu Neal, who's kind of an X factor now and just blowing the hell out of people. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, man, if they can keep Vic Beasley kind of, not really spying Russell Wilson, but just, um, you know, <clears throat> letting him get after Russell Wilson and, and maybe um, line him up sometimes, um, different spots um, to, to rush him, maybe uh, blitz him, you know, up the middle sometimes and stuff like that. Yeah. I think he can really change the game for them. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, that, that, that Seahawks defense. Uh, and they looked pretty good last week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is a stacked uh, Atlanta offense, man. And we probably don't even talk uh, uh, enough about um, now that uh, Coleman is back, the running back. Yeah. And the kind of X factor he can be is like a wide receiver out of the backfield. Yeah. But, you know, you know, you think so much about Matt Ryan and, and, and Julio Jones which probably is going to give their secondary nightmares with, with Eric Thomas out. But really, it, it's going to be the running game, man. They can run the book football really well. Now they got Alex Mack at center. Yeah. Uh, he's probably the best center in the league. And, you know, he's really changed things around for that offense and made them a much more physical offensive line. Yeah. So, you know, this may be a team that can actually run on the Seahawks. And if you can run on the Seahawks, you can really exploit – um, that secondary, this is a little beat up. So, um, I, I, I think you know, even if Seattle's offensive line holds up uh, against uh, the Falcons' pass rush, I'm not sure that the Seahawks will be able to score um, with the Falcons. They haven't really had to kind of keep up in many blowouts. You know, I'm sorry, shootouts. Yeah, this year. And I, I'm I'm just not sure that they're equipped for that. Yeah. You know, you put it all together. Their defense isn't strong enough to really, you know, I, I don't think they're strong enough to hold the Falcons to, you know, less than 21 or, or, or maybe even 28 points. And their offense, you know, just, you know, I, I, with that offensive line, it's hard to say that they're going to be able to score enough points. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's tough to keep up. I mean, I was just looking. That Julio had 139 yards and a touchdown the last time they played this season, and then that was that. Of course, the infamous um, pass interference game. <laughs> I'm sure we won't hear anything about it all yeah, this week. <laughs> that won't come up. I'm sure. I mean, you know, they moved on. They moved on. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I, I'd rather I'd take that any day over the boat over boat trip stories. Yeah, at least it's about something that actually happened <laughs> or, you know, didn't happen. Depends on your perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so. but I was just thinking back in that game, too, because, you know, one thing I remember Seattle doing a really good job of was 
or no, I'm sorry, uh, Atlanta doing a really good job of was was creating those kind of favorable matchups for Julio Jones. I mean, you saw him move into the slot a lot in the <laughs> I didn't mean to make that a rhyme, but I you saw him move into the slot a bunch, so they you know obviously then Richard Sherman's not on him. And then that, that was, you know, kind of a cagey little move that the Falcons do. And then you see a lot of that in the Falcons' offensive game plan from week to week, depending on who the opponent is. Yeah, you know, I, I, they've had a week to prepare for this now. Uh, yeah. A week from Seattle. I really think that, you know, they're really going to try to exploit that secondary, as they should. And they're taking him run the football. Yeah. It's gonna even be it's all gonna even be worse. Yeah, because you know, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> it, it's just not the same secondary. We're just so used to seeing the Legion of Boom. That is not the Legion of Boom over there anymore. It, no. just, it just isn't. You can't well you know. without Earl Thomas, man. He's just that. No. just that you one of a kind player. That. You know. You can't recreate that. Mm-mm, not at all. Not at all. Well, it should be a good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And that, of course, if our predictions hold, Stephen and I know our predictions always hold. Always. <laughs> <laughs> From week to week. That sets up a Cowboys-Falcons NFC championship, which I think the over and under might be like, what, 80, 90 or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be an interesting game to see. It really would. It will be. I'm really looking forward. I'm like, I'm not trying to diminish this week's games because I think we've got some good ones on tap. But we're heading towards some potentially some fucking headline level conference championships here. Listen, if we already know if the Patriots and the Cowboys get to the Super Bowl. Oh man. You can throw away all the other ratings from every other week in this season in the NFL. The fucking Super Bowl will be the highest rated program it's ever been. It will. If you got the Patriots and the fucking Cowboys <laughs> in the Super Bowl, <laughs> literally it'll blow every fucking ratings thing away. <laughs> so I don't care what to say. I, and I think um, the aneurysms that people are going to have reading the hot oh takes for two weeks about Listen. the Super Bowl like that. Man, listen, it's going to be amazing. Get your fucking Lipitor ready. Listen, the whole lineup at Fox Sports 1 (laughs) is going to just be... Listen. (laughs) 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 We won't even... We'll have forgotten all about the boat trip because it'll just be Super Take Super Bowl. The whole station will melt down from those takes. (laughs) It's going to be like nuclear level. <laughs> and it's a Fox one that, of those, the Super They'll blame one of those teams for cancer. Wow. Oh, man. I just, woof. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Oh, man. I, I can't wait. I love playoff football. It's nice. You always got one game to focus on. They usually are pretty good games. You know, last week, a little bit of an ex- a couple exceptions to that rule, but. It's it's the most wonderful time of the year. I know that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have something to keep us distracted these days, and it's it's uh, the NFL is doing its job in that department. Well, Stephen, I um I guess we are free to go punch some walls now and investigate the holes that that makes. 
Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that this covered by State Farm. Just <laughs> kind of double check. It's a good week to be a drywall repairman in the in, in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> All right, man. Let a good show, and let's come back next week and uh, talk about these games and get ready for the conference championships. Can't wait.